All right. Well, welcome to celebration today, and I invite you to open your Bibles with me as we get into the Word here. You ready to hear what God has to say today? Thank you, Lord. The Lord is always speaking. And uh, I want you to open in your Bibles today to the book of Exodus, chapter 32. I'm going to begin a series of messages today on the subject of don't compromise. Would you say that out loud? Don't compromise. Exodus 32, as we read this, you'll find it's one of the most sobering books of the Bible. Um, I would rank it right up there with 2 Samuel 11. And in that passage, David, known King David, known as the man after God's own heart, falls into adultery and murder. Did you hear that? The man after God's own heart fell into murder and adultery. And those of you that were in discipleship today heard about Peter denying the Lord. Here was a man who followed Jesus daily for over three years. And when it came time to live for him, he denied him. So what I'm saying today is compromise is something that can happen to a believer. There, is, there are so many scriptures, but today we're going to focus on Exodus chapter 32. Follow with me in verses 1 through 4, and we're going to use that as the foundation to this message today. The Bible says this in the book of Exodus 32 and verse 1. And also, those of you that are joining us online, thank you for being with us today. Reading out of the New American Standard, the Bible says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, everybody say delay, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a god who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. Everybody say, he fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Bow your head with me and pray this prayer, if you will. Father, speak to my heart and change my life wherever it needs changed. In Jesus' name, amen. This passage of Scripture is sobering to me. Because Aaron is the older brother of Moses. He's actually the one that God said, 
God said he wanted to speak through Moses, but Moses said, I'm slow of speech. In other words, Moses was a, he could possibly have been a stutterer. And he said, I can't speak, so use my brother. Use someone else. He said, okay, I will let Aaron speak, but I'm going to tell you what to tell Aaron. It's going to be you that I'm going to use. And so Aaron was used, so to speak, as a preacher. Amen? And he had some spiritual experiences that far exceed anything that many of us have ever had. I mean, he had seen God bring the ten plagues on Egypt with his own eyes, just like Moses did. And he watched God part the Red Sea for the children of Israel. And then he saw God bring it back over the Egyptians that followed after him. He saw the pillar of fire by night. He saw the pillar of cloud by day that God provides, provided for Israel's protection in the wilderness. He personally ate daily from the manna that God rained down every evening. He, he, he literally drank from the water that came out of a rock. And I'm, I'm talking about at, at God's invitation, Aaron, along with his sons and the elders of Israel, had gone up on the mountain to see the God of Israel and to eat and to drink in his presence. That's found in Exodus chapter 24. You can read that in verses 9 through 11. But then after all these displays of God, after all these experiences that he had with God, while Moses is on the mountain meeting with God, getting the Ten Commandments, Aaron quickly yields to the people's request. And I want you to catch what the Bible said. He fashioned a golden calf. But you're going to hear what he says a little bit later of what happened. It says that he fashioned it. He, he literally made it into a molten calf. And the Bible says that he uh, used a graving tool. Now, that's some detail. And then... After all these miracles, to see this man of God, this preacher, do this blows my mind. But yet King David, in the scripture I talked about in 2 Samuel 11, he's known as the man after God's own heart, yet he commits adultery, and then to try to cover up the adultery, he finally ultimately has the husband of Bathsheba put to the front lines where the battle's the hardest and heaviest so he would be killed. It was his goal, and it happened. So, I read in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, just listen to what Paul says. Paul says, now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction." Everybody say, this is for me. Upon whom the ages, the ends of the ages have come, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he falls. Don't raise your hands on this, but how many of you have known somebody 
that used to serve the Lord and no longer do. In other words, if we think this could not happen to us, we need to think again. Because in the day and hour in which we live, compromise is literally around every corner. It may not be big at first. It may not be making molten images out of gold. But little by little, it'll cause you to drift. Do you know that if you set your course and just move it one, just one degree, just one degree, you will not make your destination. At the end of your trip, you will not make your destination. You will be off. You will not be there where you need to be. Today, we don't think much about that because we have roads, we have highways, we have all those things that take us to where we want to go. But if you're out on the open ocean and you, you don't stay on your bearing, you will not end up on that island you're fixing to go to. And after Aaron makes this image, I want you to notice what, what they said. They said in verse 4 at the end of it, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Their sin was spiritual compromise. You say, Pastor, well, why were they saying? Here's, here's what they wanted. They wanted their God to look more like the gods of other nations. They didn't like this scary, unseen God of Exodus 19 who came down on the mountain Mount Sinai with fire and with smoke and with lightning and with thunder and with earthquake and with loud trumpet blasts. Read that in Exodus 19. They wanted a more user-friendly God. Man, don't we want a user-friendly God in 2022? Don't people want a user-friendly God? Don't people want a God that will say, hey, I understand your sin and it's okay? See, we don't want to hear about a God who says this act is sin. And if you don't repent, I'm coming to your house to judge. We don't like a God that way. We want a God who fills us with, with warm fuzzies. Warm fuzzies are okay. If you are afflicted, the Word of God will comfort you. If you need the comfortability of God, He's got it for you. But if you are comfortable and you are doing things that are outside the will of God, God's Word will also afflict you. Not to kill you, but to draw you. You see, God's ways are always, He's always wanting to repair and replace and bring to himself. So they came up with a compromised God. And had it not been for Moses and his strong leadership, his selfless prayer, and his spiritual discipline, God would have destroyed Israel. Now we're going to see this in this passage of Scripture. And he would have started with the new people. And Here's what we learn. Number one, God's people need strong leaders who do not compromise the truth, 
who pray selflessly and who exercise necessary spiritual discipline. You know, as I was a young man growing up, a child, and I would do something wrong if I lied. And how many of you parents, you know, when your kids lie? They ain't getting by with nothing. You know that. God also knows when you lie. You're not getting by with anything. And I got disciplined for that. On the back of my dad's belt was his name. But I think somewhere written on the inside was that scripture, and it had my name personalized on it. David, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. I was disciplined with a belt, and I'm not ashamed of that. I was disciplined when I was told when I did wrong, and it kept me from doing wrong again. I didn't want that anymore. And I knew that if I did that, that was what was going to happen. Now, I know today people will say, oh, well, now that's just abusing a child. Well, if I was abused, my child abuse was on a good way. I don't consider it abuse. I consider it discipline. Now, one of the first things I want to say is this. To avoid spiritual compromise in 2022, God's people need strong leaders who will not compromise the truth. I'm not going to say that every day you come into this church on a Sunday to hear a message that it's going to give you the warm fuzzies. But I will say this, it's going to come straight from the Word of God, and it's going to be truth. Aaron had a weak leadership, and it allowed Israel to fall into the horrible compromise that it had. And if he had just stood firm and confronted the people's demand to make a God for themselves, the whole incident might have been avoided. And to correct Aaron's compromise and get Israel back on track, Moses had to take bold action. Exodus 32 reveals at least seven ways that spiritual compromise can seep into a congregation of God's people if the leaders are weak. Number one, a spiritual compromise happens when you view salvation as a human endeavor rather than an act of God. Now, here's where it happens. I want you to look at uh, verse 13. It said, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, come make us a God who will go before us. Look at this. As for this Moses, notice this. Here's where you see they're not looking at God. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of Egypt. No, it was God that brought you out of Egypt. It is not a man that brings you out of sin. It is God himself. There is no man who can forgive your sin. There is no preacher that can absolve you of your sin. It's only God and God alone. It wasn't the man Moses that brought them up out of the land of Egypt. We do not know what has become of him. He was up on the mountain. That's where he was. They did too know where he was. But their mind got to thinking, and because he delayed, 
He delayed. And as he delayed, the people played. And the people began to grumble against Moses. In fact, they were grumbling against Moses already because they lacked, they lacked the food that they wanted. And God graciously promised a rain of bread out of heaven for them and to, to, to give them that every day. Then they got tired of God's heavenly manna. And they said, we want meat to eat. And finally, they got meat to eat, and they got meat to eat to the point where they were so sick of the meat. How many of you know that sometimes God gives you what you want, and when you get what you want, you don't want what you got? In Psalm chapter 106, verses 19 through 22, describes what happens in this way. Look at this scripture. It says, they made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a molten image. Thus they exchanged their glory for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. It wasn't Moses, it was God. Wonders in the land of Ham and awesome things by the Red Sea. You see, the Bible consistently proclaims that our salvation is not the work of a great leader like Moses or Paul, much less a man-made idol. Spiritual leaders are simply instruments through whom God works. Salvation is from the Lord. Jonah says that in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 9 when he gets spit out onto the beach by that whale. Salvation is from the Lord. It is only from God. The second thing is, and the second way compromise can happen, even with leaders, is you would think that Aaron, the brother of Moses, would have been strong enough to resist the pressure. But church, I want to just say this. If you get your eyes off of God, you will always get them on something other than God. And here's what happens is, well, just let me say this. Always stay on the God side of things. Pressure comes from the soul. Your mind, your will, mostly your emotions. Pressure comes from the soul. And when you are feeling pressured to do something that you are not comfortable doing, you need to stop. And don't just keep on going, but if you're feeling pressured, you need to ask yourself, the re- why am I feeling pressure? God doesn't pressure us. The Bible says his hand is still stretched out. It's interesting that his hand isn't shoving you, it's inviting you. God doesn't pressure you to get saved. God doesn't pressure you to love him. God doesn't pressure you to do anything. God invites. And the Bible says this in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verses 28 through 31. This is for leaders. He says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Who does he deal with first? The leader. 
If you're not watching out for yourself, how can you watch out for the flock? Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things. Why? To draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. Look at your neighbor and say, be on the alert. Remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Paul warned Timothy as a pastor in 1 Timothy 4.16. And he says to him, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. I love pastors. I know the job they have. I am one. It's not easy. Pastors all over America have people come to them after service that disappointed maybe in what they had to say. Others will come and encourage them, but, but, but they have to deal with, with that. People pleasing. You've heard me share this story before about a pastor who came to a church of 200 people, split right down the middle, one side over here wanting one direction, and one side over here wanting another direction, and a brand new pastor comes in. And one of the elderly ladies, after his first message, comes up to the pastor and says, Pastor, how are you going to please all 200 of us with 100 on this side and 100 on that side wanting to go that direction? He said, I'm not. I'm going to please one. And if I please him, that ought to be good enough for all of you. Now, experience has shown me that not everybody is going to like that answer. Because we kind of get this feeling that my way is the right way. But how many have ever thought your way was the right way and God corrected you? So none of us are immune to spiritual compromise, and so we must always be on the alert. The third thing, spiritual compromise happens when you become impatient, waiting on God. Moses spent 40 days on the mountain of God with the Lord, and the people got tired of waiting. Do you know in the Bible, there's a really good study, if you will do this, every time you find 40, you'll find a test. Every time. The number 40 is associated with test and trial. How many days was Jesus in the wilderness? How many years were the children of Israel in the desert? How many days was Moses on the mountain? Twice. It's interesting. 
So if you're 40 years old, I don't know what that has to say. But uh, if you're going through a test, it's just the nature of the number. So Moses is gone. For, he's up there for 40 days, and, 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 and the people are getting tired of waiting because we see it in verse 1, because they said, As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. They knew that he had gone up into the fire, into the smoke, into the lightning, into the thunder on the mountain to meet with God. Maybe, maybe they thought he had died up there, but no one was about to go up there and find out. So even though they're eating the manna every day, they're drinking the water from the rock, they're under the protective cloud by day, they're under the protective fire, a pillar of fire by night, they wanted God to move faster. Bless God. Move, God. And I know no Christian in 2022 ever does that, especially not at Celebration Church. Nobody gets impatient with God anymore. Oh, I beg to differ. So they ask God to make, or they ask Aaron to make a God to go before them. In church, when you get into a hurry and you demand a quick fix to issues that may take time, you expose yourself to spiritual error. Right now, if you go to McDonald's and you order something special or you order something that is out of the ordinary, they are going to make you go around the corner. And what are they going to say? Wait in section number one or wherever it is. Why? Because you put in a special order. Maybe it's not on the menu. Maybe, maybe it's something that is a little bit different. Maybe it's, I don't want no salt on my fries. Well, they've got to make up some more fries. In fact, that's a really good way to get hot fries. I don't like all the salt that's on them. And I don't even really go to McDonald's very much, but that is a good way to get hot fries. I'll guarantee it. Just thought I'd tell you that. But... You're waiting. You've got, you've got an order you put in. And it's like, man, I want it now. We are in such an instantaneous society. We can pop a bag of popcorn into a microwave and have it done in a minute and a half. Man, I like the old days of the, in fact, I got me one of those things, the old air fryers, you know, that move your popcorn like that. It takes a long time, but, man, it's fun watching it. I could have already had it and probably eaten it already and from the microwave, but it's probably even better for me in this air popper. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. We, we, get, we get so accustomed with fast, instantaneous, right? Man, I got to I get to work in 10 minutes, and it takes 30. Man, enjoy the journey. I, mean, I, I always get amazed going home. Going home. Less than a mile from my house, people are still passing me going so fast. I'm like, dude, you're going home. But if you need to go, I'm the slow guy that everybody's going around, okay? I'm probably that guy. If you've ever gone around and honked, it's probably been me. Man, what is that slowpoke doing? Well, I'm just obeying the speed limit, getting good car insurance rates. All right, I need to move on. I'm talking about microwave ovens and all this stuff. But church, listen, when you, when you get into a hurry, you get into problems. The children of Israel got in a hurry, and they got in a mess. They actually tried to create a God 
and said, this is, this is our God. The biblical way to growth is a lot slower. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.7, he says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Psalm chapter 27 and verse 14 says, wait for the Lord. What happens to they that wait upon the Lord? What happens? They're going to renew their strength. You probably didn't even know you needed your strength renewed. And you're not ever going to know that if you don't slow down and let it happen. Number four, I'm not going to get through with point. I'm not going to, we're almost, you know, I'm not even, I'm on page three and I think I got eight pages, so we're only going to get about four. I'm not, trust me, I'm not going to go through all eight. In fact, I'll probably stop here after this one. Spiritual compromise happens when leaders want to please people rather than please God. You know the problem with the people pleaser is that ultimately they can't please anyone. Because as soon as they please this person, this person's upset. Then they got to go try to please this person. But in order to please this person, they got to take something away from that person to please this person. Aaron was a more dynamic speaker than Moses. He would have probably had a bigger church than Moses. Can you imagine listening to a stutterer trying to deliver the Word of God? Which is why God appointed him to be Moses' spokesman. But apparently... As I read this, Aaron was what I would refer to as a nice man who didn't want confrontation. Do you know one of the first things? I remember growing up, and I just, Jesus was just nice. Until I read in the Bible, and he didn't sound so nice. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I learned early on in pastoring that being nice is not a spiritual fruit. There's nowhere in Scripture where you're told to be nice. Now, it doesn't mean you need to be mean. It's not what I'm saying. But being nice is simply being nice. But oftentimes, Jesus himself was not considered nice when he confronted sin, and he called the Pharisees a brood of vipers. I mean, a, a nest, you are a nest of snakes. Now, how many of you, that might just offend you a bit. But here's what the truth will do. It will either offend you and keep you in your fin, offense because of pride, or it will change you into his image and his likeness. He also called them whitewashed tombs. What he was saying is, inside you're full of dead men's bones. Outside you look good, but inside you're dead. And it, it, do, do, do you all realize how much God hates sin? 
Does anybody in the room understand how much God hates sin? You know, every time I drive by, this is crazy, but every time I drive by a 7-Eleven, I think of this scripture because it's Psalm 7-Eleven. There's an awesome 7-Eleven in the scripture. And it says, God is a righteous judge. Here it is, right here. And a God who has indignation every day. King James Version actually translates it, and a God who is angry with the wicked every day. He's a righteous judge, and he literally experiences anger every day at sin. Now, it's not that he wants to kill the sinner, but it's just that sin can't dwell in his presence. Here's what, here's what Isaiah 52, God is so serious about sin. He hates it, and he hates it because it separates us from him. Look at what it says in Isaiah 59. But your iniquities, everybody say sin, my sin. What does it do? It makes a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now, we know the remedy to that is his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for our sins. The only way to the Father is through him. Jesus said, there is no other way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No other way can you get to the Father except through him. So when it comes to sin, Aaron's demeanor should not have been one of being nice to placate the people. He needed to be uncompromising. For the Lord God Almighty. And that's what you hear when I preach on sin. That's what you hear when I preach about a lifestyle that is one of sin. It's not in hate of the people that are living it. It is in love so they will get removed from it. But when the people ask him to make a God who would go before them, He compliantly goes along with their demand. And when he heard, they proclaimed this idol to be their God. I want to leave you with this verse, and it's in verse 5. Rather than confronting them, he built an altar, and he proclaimed a feast. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and he made a proclamation, and he said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So they've got this God that they've made in an image of a beast, and they're going to hold a feast the next day to God as they worship this image. Do you, do, you, do you see how perverted that is? And yet people in 2022, they say, I, I don't serve gods, I don't serve other idols, but your idol might not be a molten calf. It could just be 
You've made God into your own image. So he's not as scary. Well, surely God is loving like I'm loving, so this activity can't be sin. Because it it doesn't hurt anybody. Are you hearing what I am saying? Aaron is literally saying, you can have your idol, but bring your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, and let's have a feast to the Lord. Church, you cannot have it both ways. But I'm going to close with this. What this leader did, rather than helping the people turn back to the Lord, I just want you to look at this one verse in verse 25, and I'm going to deal with it in more depth next week. It's a very scary verse to me. Read it out of the King James. It's even stronger. Exodus thirty-two twenty-five. Now, when Moses saw that the people were out of control, now notice this, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies. This is what the King James says. In fact, do we have the King James that you can bring up there? It literally says that the people... Verse 25, were naked. When Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked under their shame among their enemies. What happened is the feast, the party, became a drunken orgy, including sexual immorality. The Hebrew word implies this. The, the, the King James Version translates out of control as the people were naked. It was like an unrestrained pagan party. And, and that's how quickly things can go downhill when spiritual leaders are people pleasers rather than God pleasers. Now, I'm taking my time on this because I, I really want to leave no rock unturned. Because we need to see that our God has never changed. And He loves us with such a love, but it's said in that one Scripture that we read that prayers are restrained because they're sin. Paul said, even before we receive communion, before we take of the bread and the cup, we need, we need to examine ourselves. So if you're feeling pressure to be right in the eyes of the world, that's not from God. Peer pressure is a very powerful thing. But listen, I've learned this in my life. If you will take a stand, if you will simply make the decision to stand for God, you will be amazed at the people who will ultimately come up to you and say, What you've done 
caused me to take a stand because I felt the same way as you did. But when I saw you do it, it gave me strength to do it. You see, right now, you may be surrounded by people who are weaker in their uh, walk with the Lord, and it's going to help them. Now, the converse is also true. If they see you not make a stand, it can inhibit the witness, and that's what Israel did to their enemies. The enemies looked around at them and said, wow, look at these people. And that's why God wanted to take them out. But thank God for Moses. We didn't get there, but he prays a prayer that's selfless. Today, as we close, I just ask you to bow with me all over the congregation, all of, all of you watching online today. Please just let this be a time between you and the Lord. And I just want you to ask him a very simple question. And that is, is there any area in my life, Lord, where I'm compromising? And follow it up with, if so, reveal it to me. And he will. If there's any area And Lord, I pray that you would begin with this message to make us a people in this year of 2022, the people of God in this nation, in this city, to be people that don't compromise when it comes to the Word of God and our walk with God. And Lord, I pray that you would give us all the grace and all the mercy that we need to extend towards others. But I pray, Lord, you would also give us strength and perseverance to choose the right and to stand for truth every day of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to go from here to the next area uh, of Exodus 32. So you know what? A really good, a really good uh, thing to do is read Exodus 32. Read it every day. You can get through it every day. It won't take you long at all. Let it get down into your spirit because this is where we're going to kind of camp out next week too, okay? So God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week. God bless.